Thank you for tuning in. You are listening to the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. You can listen and subscribe to the show for free on Spotify, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, Blog Talk Radio, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Audible. For network or show information, visit ByteRadio.me. And now, the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Good day, everyone, and thank you for joining us for this edition of the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Today, my special guest is Leonard Perlmutter, and we'll be talking about his journey, as well as his new book, Your Conscience, The Key to Unlock Limitless Wisdom and Creativity and Solve All of Life's Challenges. If you're struggling or unhappy in any aspect of your life, chances are you made a choice that wasn't tuned into your conscience. We've all done it. Now, a brilliant new book by Leonard Perlmutter, Your Conscience, The Key to Unlock Limitless Wisdom and Creativity and Solve All of Life's Challenges, shows you how to give your conscience a sway in your life so that all of your decisions support and guide you and act to your highest good, leading to a life of joy, love, peace, and both personal and professional success. Leonard is one of the Western world's pioneers in the introduction of meditation into the cultural firmament, having founded the American Meditation Institute, AMI, in Avril Park, New York, in 1996. AMI's courses are now approved and accredited by the American Medical Association and the American Nurses Association. Leonard also serves as author and editor of Transformation, the Journal of Meditation as as Mind-Body Medicine. Leonard's first book, The Heart and Science of Yoga, the American Meditation Institute's Empowering Self-Care Program for a Happy, Healthy, Joyful Life, is an encyclopedic guide to meditation and the yoga science that lies behind it. The book and its corresponding curriculum taught by Leonard in his Foundations class was enthusiastically endorsed by popular medical luminaries such as Dr. Doctors Dean Ornish, um, um, Mehmet, excuse me, Oz, and Larry Dussey. Over the past 25 years, Leonard has served on the faculties of the New England Institute of Ayurvedic Medicine in Boston, Massachusetts, and the International Himalayan Yoga Teachers Association in Calgary, Canada. He has studied in Rishikesh, India, and is a direct disciple of Swami Rama of the Himalayas, the man who, in laboratory conditions in the Manager Institute, demonstrated that blood pressure, heart rate, and autonomic nervous system can be voluntarily controlled. This research demonstrates, uh, this research demonstrations have been the major cornerstone of the mind-body movement. Leonard has uh, presented informative workshops on the benefits of meditation in yoga science at the MD Anderson Cancer Center, Kaiser Permanente, the Albany Medical College, the New York Times Forum on Yoga Science, the Commonwealth Club of California, the University of Wisconsin School of Nursing, 
Washington University Medical School, the University of Colorado Medical School, and the West Point Association of Graduates. For more information about the book, you can visit the website, which is yourconscience.org. And if you want to find out more about the organization he founded, you can visit that at AmericanMeditation.org. Okay. With that, Leonard, welcome to the show. Thank you, Robert. Thank you very much for inviting me. It is my pleasure. And, excuse me, you have been at this a very long time, so I'm really um, anxious to kind of hear about some of the things you've learned. Now, when we first... No talk about conscience. I, th- I think probably everybody has a, w- would have a different opinion of what they think, con- you know, conscience is, and, you know, and, and you know, whether or not it even exists. So, would you mind sharing with the listeners what you have learned and what you believe conscience conscience to be? Well, thank you for the opportunity. The conscience. Uh, is sort of that quiet voice uh, in our mind that suggests to us what to do and what not to do. And we already know from our own personal experience that when we do follow the guide of the conscience, we feel better. And when we don't, a lot of times we feel guilt and uh, it's, it's rather painful. So the conscience is one of four functions of the mind that animate the body that brings about consequences. Okay, and and I'm going to talk about those four functions soon. But um, let's... Is you're talking about it as being one of the four functions. Um, how does it seem that some people whose sense of conscience seems lacking? For you know, uh, I mean, are people who it just seems like you know, where where is your conscience, kind of thing? So can can you tell us about you know how that comes to be? Well, it comes to be because, uh, as I mentioned, and you you echoed as well, the the conscience is not the only voice uh, that we have in the mind. And so there are three other functions of the mind that have limited perspectives. They sort of serve as counselors. And my experience is they're often wrong in their opinions, but they're never in doubt. And very often, we as human beings uh, follow bad advice because we've really not been taught in any level of school how to train the mind to listen to the conscience and to benefit from it. And so Mm. there's there's a marvelous little story about a man who had been gaining a little bit of weight. And uh, he was talking to a friend of his. And uh, he was sharing with his friend that uh, he's been trying to lose some weight, but 
actually he's been gaining even more weight. And so the friend said, well, uh, tell me a little bit more. He says, well, every day for exercise, I walk to work. And as I approach my office, I notice the smell of of wonderful bakery goods emanating from the local bakery. And the next thing I remember is that I'm coming out of the bakery shop with a little bag of donuts in my hand. Can you help mm-hmm. me? And so the friend said to the other fellow who was looking to lose some weight, he made a suggestion. He said, well, why don't you leave your wallet at home? And the man looked at him with surprise and said, you mean you're suggesting that I steal the donuts? (laughs) So uh, these other functions of the mind, they're very powerful, and they're very loud, and they're very insistent, whereas the conscience is a quiet voice, sort of speaks in whispers. And unless we learn about these other functions as well and train them, parent them, if you will, to listen to the conscience, because the conscience is not always going to say, oh, you're wrong, because we, we, we're complicated uh, human beings, and sometimes an ego or a sense gratification is just what we need to experience. So sometimes a limited perspective is the correct perspective, and the conscience will let us know when that's the case. Hmm. Well, that's interesting. (laughs) You know, because uh, when it comes time to uh, answering my question about, you know, how is it that some people would have you know, an apparent low level of conscience that that may be for them the appropriate one um, for for whatever reason, and and that That's right. uh, and it's yeah, kind of and and, and you know in, in one sense, um, I know that you know like sometimes in life or you know it seems that we get. Um, examples of what we don't want to see kind of slapped in our face so that we become clear, you know, on what it is that we believe, what we sense, what we you know, what we know. So, I mean, in, in, in the case like, um, you know, being with someone whose you know, sense of conscious um, behavior is, is low, that then for me supports my awareness of my consciousness. That's correct. And and it works the opposite way, too, because the company you keep is stronger than your will. Right? So yeah. it's, it's just like water. Water takes the shape of the container in which it finds itself. So the company that we right. keep is stronger mm-hmm. than our will. If we surround ourselves with people who are inclined to experiment with their old habits, knowing that they haven't all worked for them, well, then yeah. we might be inclined to try that too. Yeah. 
Yeah, very much. Well, you know, let's go ahead and talk about those four functions, those other three functions, because I think, okay. um, you know, it may okay. help, help the listeners kind of get a, a grapple. So so let's start. What, what What is one of the functions? So we talked a little bit about the conscience. Right. The conscience is the only function of the mind that can discriminate, determine, judge, and decide. That means that every single choice that we have ever made and will ever make is always made by the conscience. But there's there's a, a, a rub there because of the influence of the other functions. And the conscience has the ability, because it functions as a mirror, it has the ability to reflect perfect wisdom 24-7 from the super-conscious portion of the mind, which lies beyond the conscious and beyond the unconscious portions of the mind. Now, the super-conscious portion of the mind is just not poetry or metaphor. It's the same practical portion of the mind where Albert Einstein saw mathematical equations and Paul McCartney hears beautiful melodies doesn't mean that any of us is going to become a physicist or a songwriter. <laughs> right. But, it, but uh, it, what, what it does mean is if I listen right. to the conscience and convince right. the other functions to go along, it means that we will be able to access reserves of creativity and willpower that will enable us to fulfill the purpose of our lives without pain. So that's the conscience. It can reflect mm-hmm. wisdom from the superconscious portion of the mind, and it speaks in whispers. But there are three other functions, first of which is the ego. Now, we're sort of familiar with the ego, but we're not talking about Western psychology's definition of the ego of being puffed up and feeling that you have a sense of self-importance. No, it's, it's much more... Uh, powerful than that. Ego is anything that separates me from my essential nature. And what is my essential nature? My essential nature is not the body because the body is subject to change. It's not the mind because the mind is subject to change. But within me and within you, Robert, and within all of our listeners, there is something at the core of our being that is eternal that is all-knowing and blissful. And the ego is threatened by it because the ego is identified with the mind-body-sense complex. And the ego is tethered to the reptilian brain, which means it's always worried about annihilation. It's always concerned about its own death. And so the ego walks around. I have this image in my mind of carrying a chainsaw on its hip. And whenever the ego comes into a relationship, the ego takes out the chainsaw and splits the relationship in half and says, this half is pleasant and it's good. Let's reprise it. 
However, this portion is unpleasant and it's bad. Let's avoid it. But we already know from our own personal experience, everyone knows that things that are pleasant aren't always good for us. And things that are unpleasant aren't always bad for us. So we need mental flexibility. A lot of times the ego inhibits mental flexibility. And in the process, Mm -hmm. we become mentally inflexible, which in turn leads to physical inflexibility of the body. So that's the ego. Often wrong, but never in day. <laughs> Loud and pushy. I like that. Okay? That's the well, ego. Well, yeah. Yeah, well, now, now in, in the one thing ahead. that... I'm sorry. I was going to say, the one thing that, that I... Um, that just really struck me was, uh, you know, the idea of, you know, the ego, um, anything that runs counter to, you know, what, you know, the, the individual is, um, you know, be a connection to the super conscience, um, or even connection with another, um, that would demonstrate a bigness beyond self <laughs> in a way that that would be threatening. Uh, you know, that's right. So, um, do yeah, you, so do you, you remember? Through? Do you okay. remember the uh, story uh, uh, by Plato uh, of the cave analogy? Do you remember reading that in school I do not. at all? No, no I do. Well, not, it's very I interesting, and, it, and it's very it's yeah. very appropriate. Uh, Plato okay. wrote this uh, story about uh, uh, a cave. It, it was a dark cave, and inside the cave there were prisoners, and the prisoners were chained to a wall inside the dark cave. And they were, even their their necks were chained to the wall, and they they had very little movement in which way they could turn their head, to the left and to the right, and they faced a wall in front of them. Now, in back of them was the wall, but in back of the wall, there was a fire that the that the prison guards kept going. And some of the prison guards would then walk between the fire and the wall mm-hmm. with long poles and and statues on top of it, which would reflect because of the light of the fire, which would reflect images on the wall that the prisoners were looking at. And according to Plato, the prisoners assumed that the appearance of the forms on the wall, that was the reality. That was their reality, because it was appearing. And so... They lived their lives like that until one prisoner escaped, got out of the dark cave, went up into the sunlight, and realized the truth of what was going on. And he he so wanted to help his other friends who were prisoners, he went back into the cave to tell them that outside there is this light that makes things much easier and opens our horizons. And 
what did the prisoners do? They killed them because they were threatened, because their egos were threatened. Mm. Wow. <laughs> that carries so much uh, symbolism with it. <laughs> you know, that yes. it's, um, yeah, you know, um, and there's so many times that we, what things appear to be are just so far from what they appear. <laughs> you know, that we, That's right. we just don't That's know. Right. Yeah. That's right. Wow. Okay, so, so, so ego was so that ego mm-hmm. is 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 one mm-hmm. of the four major functions. So now we have two. We have the conscience that reflects wisdom from the superconscious portion of the mind because it acts as a mirror. We have the ego that defines things as ple- things as pleasant or unpleasant. And then we have the senses. Now the senses are interesting because they they send out our creative energy into the world. Our mind projects our creative energy through the senses, through the eyes, through the nostrils, through the mouth, through the ears, through the hands and the feet, to look and to smell and to taste and to listen and to touch and bring back information into our consciousness to determine which of these relationships are going to make us happy, which of these relationships are going to make us secure. Now, the mind extrudes our creative energy through the senses. And most human beings today on the planet are addicted to using these senses for gratification. So we already know that if we squeeze a tube of toothpaste, it'll be fairly easy for the toothpaste to come out. But it's going to be very difficult if we want to put the toothpaste back in the tube <laughs> to use for something more important. Right? Yeah. So that's what happens to us. We waste so much of our creative energy through our eyes, through our nostrils, through our mouth, through our ears, through our hands and our feet, looking for something that's going to make us happy, looking for something that is going to make us secure. And so the senses, too, only have a limited perspective, Mm -hmm. but they're loud and they're pushy, too, because we have given them over time so much free reign. So now we have the ego. That's one voice, one of the four functions. We have the senses. We now have the second. We have the conscience, which can reflect wisdom from the superconscious portion of the mind. And the last function of the mind, the fourth function, is the unconscious. And the unconscious, we know, is the repository of everything that we deem essential to self-preservation. It's all those concepts that we have stored in the unconscious mind. And don't you know that an awful lot of those concepts that we have stored in the unconscious mind that determine how we perceive, because our perception is skewed by our conception, many of those concepts are faulty. And where do we get all these concepts? Well, we didn't uh, manufacture them ourselves. In other words, a lot of them we inherited 
from our mother, from our father, from our grandmother, from our grandfather, from our siblings, from our friends, from our teachers, from celebrities, from the culture. And a lot of times, these concepts are wrong. It's like when we were in grade school learning uh, arithmetic, you know, one plus two equals three. But we also had teachers that taught us that one plus two was actually four. And we were so naive and, and, and so in need of being accepted, we believed them. And that faulty concept, one plus two equals four, now exists on our hard drive in our unconscious mind. And when our emotional buttons in certain kinds of situations are pushed and triggered, we go to one plus two equals four as the concept to serve. And every time we do that, we wind up in pain and we wind up causing pain to others. So the ego, the senses, and the unconscious mind aren't always wrong, but neither are they always right. Our job in every relationship is to train and parent and coordinate the four functions of the mind. I imagine every day myself sitting down around the kitchen table, and who else is around the kitchen table? I invite my ego, I invite my senses, I invite my unconscious mind, I invite the conscience, and I have a little conversation. Look, we've already had a slice of apple pie, and the question before all of us is, are we going to have a second slice of apple pie? (laughs) What does the ego say? The ego says, I vote yes. The senses says, oh, definitely, I'm with the ego. I'd like another piece. What does the unconscious say? Well, I have all these habits where I not only have a second piece, but I might even have a third piece. So I'll vote yes, too. But when I reach the conscience, the conscience knows what's good and healthy for the body. So the conscience says, look, a couple of minutes ago, I gave you a green light to have a wonderful piece of apple pie. And the ego enjoyed it. The senses enjoyed it. The unconscious mind enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. But now this is the second piece that we're talking about. And it is not going to enhance our health. Quite the contrary. So the conscience at that point advises the ego, the senses, and the unconscious mind to sacrifice the desire for the second piece. Then the only question is, am I willing to experiment with the wisdom of the conscience and convince and parent the ego, senses, and unconscious mind just for the sake of an experiment to see how it makes them feel? And my experience is, if I don't take on too much too soon, then the ego, the senses, and the unconscious mind actually have a pretty darn good experience. Mm -hmm. A lot better than they thought. (laughs) And that 
allows me to build a foothold so that we can continue the process of experimenting with old habits. Yeah, absolutely. Well, guys, uh, Leonard, we're already halfway through the show, so I want to take a quick break. Um, And I do want to invite listeners, if you want to call in with any questions, you can call in at 619-789-4359. And for those listening live in the chat room, if you have any questions, feel free to pose them, um, and we will uh, get to those. Um, And then when we come back from break, Leonard, um, I want to talk um, a little bit more um, about um, about the the senses aspect and the unconscious and and, uh, and also talk about uh, Ram Webb and who who that is. Okay, so everyone stay tuned. We'll be right back after this this brief break. Hello, this is Robert Sharp. I want to thank you for joining us, and I hope that you are enjoying today's show. Just a reminder that we have a wealth of information and resources available on our website, byteradio.me. There is a calendar of upcoming shows, along with an archive link that will give you access to more than 1,600 shows that we have had during the past 12 years. Also on the site is a link to the products and services we provide, books, nature photography, calendars, and 5 by 7 photo greeting cards. Our show is a free podcast on Blog Talk Radio, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and TuneIn. And you can subscribe for free on any of those platforms by using the links on our website homepage. We are on social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn, etc. And we also have buttons to those platforms on the top of our homepage. Our website, ByteRadio.me, has much for you to explore and enjoy. I also very much appreciate you supporting our guests, and especially today's guest. And now, back to the show. Okay, everyone, thank you for staying with us. Uh, again, today my, today my special guest is Leonard uh, Perlmutter. And we are talking about his journey, as well as his new book, Your Conscience, The Key to Unlock Limitless Wisdom and Creativity and Solve All of Life's Challenges. Uh, For more information about the book, you can visit the website, yourconscience.org. And for more information about all of the other services, like uh, workshops and that kind of thing, speaking engagements, you can visit the website AmericanMeditation.org. Okay, with that, we're back, Leonard. Great. Great. Okay. So um, one of the things that I I wanted to talk about, um, the unconscious, Uh, uh, we didn't really, um, I wanted to talk a little bit more about that. So. Sure. Um, there is, it's true, isn't it, that there is a function for the unconscious, that, you know, that it um, helps us in many ways. So Correct. Is, so is the, what is, is the key um, being able to differentiate for, um, those things that are good, you know, for the unconscious to kind of deal with, and and then also um identifying those that aren't helpful. That's 100% correct, Robert. Uh, let's use the analogy of the computer. 
uh, our software that we have can be excellent and very helpful. We can become very creative with certain software. However, the best software can become problematic to us if there's some form of a virus on the hard drive mm. that is going to uh, inhibit the software package that we have from operating to its optimal. And that's what happens in our mind. We have viruses. We have faulty concepts. There are a lot of kinds of faulty concepts that we have, but many of them uh, have to do with fear, anger, selfish desires. Why do we have the fear, the anger, and the selfish desires? Because unwisely, we identify ourselves with the body. We can see it. We can touch it. We can smell it. We can taste it. So we think it's real. But it's subject to change, death, decay, and decomposition. So if the body dies, does that mean that I die? So that's very that's a very scary proposition. And so the yeah. unconscious portion of the mind has some faulty concepts that are on the hard drive. And very often they trump common sense coming from the conscience. And nobody in school has ever taught us to train and coordinate the functions of the mind. Nobody in school, college, or university even taught us that there were functions of the mind. And so our educational institutions teach us two things, to memorize and to recite. So if I go to, it doesn't matter what level of school, if I can memorize and recite, I can pass exams and get a diploma that will enable me to get a better job so I can earn more money. But none of that process of education changes those faulty concepts in the unconscious mind. So even though I have a lot of money and I have a beautiful house, in mm -hmm. fact, I have a, a second house in a beautiful location, I'm still miserable and I'm in pain physically, mentally, and emotionally because all these unconscious concepts in my life are bringing me pain. Yeah. So it sounds like the um, key to identifying um, where you know, what is lacking is just that that pain element or or the um, the fact that some things just don't seem to be working right. You know, the, yes, is that the kind yes. of you know how you know, it manifest? In our culture, this is so interesting, Robert. This is a good point. Because in our culture, pain is seen as an enemy. And what mm -hmm. do we do with pain? We shoot it. Right? Yep. So if we have mm -hmm. indigestion and heartburn, 
what's the first thing that I do? I, I grab for an antacid pill so that I don't have to experience that pain. But pain is really a messenger that's trying to tap us on the shoulder and tell us that we need to make a mid-course correction because we're headed over a cliff. So pain is the messenger of the supreme intelligence advising us that we need to go a different way. We need to eliminate inner conflict because if I keep on creating conflict between my inner wisdom and my outer action, that inner conflict is going to increasingly, day by day, week by week, year by year, increase the amount of physical, mental, emotional pain that I experience. Yeah. Um, the idea of uh, increasing someone's conscience awareness. You know, again, if I go back to someone, you know, you would say that person does does not seem to have a conscience, that kind of thing. So if we were to um, look at how that's It's not that, that they about, don't have a conscience. Everybody has a conscience. Okay. But, just but the loud, pushy so voices are making it impossible for the, for the conscience to reflect wisdom from the superconscious portion of the mind. So instead, the conscience will yeah. still make the, diff, the decision. It always does. And it will just rubber stamp whatever the ego senses and unconscious want, mind want. Yeah. Okay. So if we are to build um, a society where people are conscience aware, um, it seems that maybe this should be something that would be in like in an educational system that would be helpful, you know, from kind of get a mother young kind of thing, you know, to help no more. No question about yeah. it. You're, you're hitting the nail so right how, on the head. So how would um, a, a curriculum that would include aspects that would accomplish that? Well, you know, it, it, it doesn't have to be complicated, you know. Uh, you know, that's even uh, better. <laughs> we all, all we yeah. need to do is look at the four functions of the mind, find out what each of them wants, and coordinate them all to the conscience, just for the sake of an experiment, and see where it leads in our life. So we just so, need to be taught that. Yeah. So would it be like then in a classroom situation? Is it? Is it then strengthening that connection to the super conscious or, or the, you know, yes. Is, yes. is would that be kind of like the the basis so that when the other three kind of, shout, you know, <laughs> twist and shout, you know, that mm -hmm. super conscious would be strong enough to say, hey, listen, you know, I know what you're saying, but. Well, that's right. And so uh, in order to get to that place, though, we we can't just start with things that are really difficult, threatening to the ego, the senses, and the unconscious mind. 
I recommend that we start with seemingly insignificant no-brainers, right? And and then none of us will be injured. In other words, if I wanted to build muscles and I never never worked out at all any time in my life, but I feel that at this point in my life I, I, I need extra muscles, the last thing I would do is to pick up 200 pounds and start trying to uh, exercise with that. I'm I'm not prepared for that. But if I really Mm -hmm. wanted to build muscle, I would start with a couple of pounds, do that for a week or so, and then if I wanted to continue, I'd add another pound or or a couple of pounds. And within uh, a few weeks or a few months, I'll be lifting some substantial weight, and it won't hurt me in any way. It won't injure me. Same for the ego, the senses, and the unconscious mind. Don't give them too much. So start with things that are easy. For example, you just finished dinner. Are you going to brush your teeth? Well, the ego, the senses, and the unconscious (laughs) mind might not want to Uh do that, but the conscience Uh says, hey, let's do an experiment. Let's go into the bathroom. (laughs) We'll brush our teeth and see how we feel. All right, it's not that bad. Let's do it. And and when you brush your teeth, gee, even the ego, the senses, and the unconscious mind said, "Yeah, that wasn't too bad. That wasn't yeah. too bad." And then, if you keep on doing things that are simple, if it's ten o'clock at night, and a coffee commercial comes on the television, and the ego, the senses, and the unconscious want, mind want want to have a cup of coffee with a couple of uh, spoonfuls of sugar and maybe some half and half and maybe a donut. What is the what does the conscience say? Hey, it's ten o'clock at night. It's time to get ready to go to sleep. You need a good night's sleep. You have a big meeting in the morning. If you want to talk about having a cup of coffee, see me in the morning. I might have a different mm-hmm. uh, uh, recommendation. Right. But the caffeine's going to keep you up. Let's sacrifice this desire at ten o'clock at night. Ego, senses, unconscious mind. And in the process of doing that experiment and coordinating themselves to the conscience, the ego senses and unconscious mind also have a positive experience to build on. Yeah, you know, that's a that's a great um, way to just become aware of, you know, that conscious choice, you know, based. Yeah. Yeah, have, have a, an informed conscience <laughs> and um, being able to, you know, to react a, a appropriately. Um, so, and that, and you know, Robert, thing... that begs the question, doesn't mm-hmm. it? How free are we really? We say we're free. <laughs> you know, we're citizens of the United uh-huh. States of America. We are free, right? Life, liberty, and happiness. Mm-hmm. But how free are we? when we're enslaved to all these unconscious forces. Who's really making the choice? Me or my grandfather? Me or my mother? You know, um, it's I often do the the free will versus destiny, you know, or or is it meant to be kind of thing. And it is interesting because, you know, we – 
want to feel like the ego. We want to feel self-important, and you know that that we have free will, and then that we're making our choices, good or bad. That you know we made, we made the choice, and we we live with that. Um, but then when you also recognize that in the greater framework, you know we are but a contributor to this, you know. The, the community, the, the, the zeitgeist, and the superconscious. I mean, so we're contributing to to that state. So, um, you know, because we are contributors, then are we, you know, still free? <laughs> like you say, we're still free. So anyway, I, it, it, to me, it, it's always a, a kind of a paradox in a way that, you know, um, and, and I, I just kind of go with the fact that, you know, it's like I'm going to make a choice, and you know, if I want to feel that it's free will, that's cool, you know, even if it's not, you know, even if it's something that's that's kind of been, you know, written as a, a good possibility that it could happen. So anyway, what, what's your Well, what's your you know, on? you know, pain pain doesn't really care because uh, if if you're continually creating inner conflict between your inner wisdom and your outer action, then the decibel level of pain will just increase till it's louder mm-hmm. and louder and louder. And something that was that brought dis-ease and stress to you at a certain point is going to bring some form of disease and pain and maybe even debility or death to you. Yeah. Um do, do you know some people um, may have a harder um, go at you know taming the the ego senses and the unconscious in the mind um, that uh, they can be you know some people may recognize that you know I've, I've kind of let those one of those or all of them run my life or my decision by by their, you know, it's not working. So um, they want to go ahead and kind of build that um, that conscious connection. Um, so mm-hmm. for, first of all, I would think that, you know, if it's been going on for a while, that it wouldn't be an easy thing to do. Um, so is, is your idea of like small baby steps to um, – to you know, to recognize some of the things that we, when we do follow our that guidance, you know, kind of maybe pat ourselves on the back or give special recognition so that we become more aware of it. Yes, yes, and uh, you know, this is not for everybody. The question is, how happy, how healthy, how secure, and how free do you? want to be in this lifetime mm-hmm. that's that's the whole question right there how happy how healthy how secure how free do you want to be never mind about anybody else right we're talking about you do you deserve to be happy and healthy and secure and free well the only way that you're going to experience those things is if you base your outer action on your inner wisdom because every time you take an action, it brings about a consequence that's going to lead you in one direction or the other. Now, if you really want to go in the direction of happiness and health and security and freedom, then you'll learn to coordinate 
the four functions of the mind to the wisdom reflected by the conscience, just for the sake of an experiment. And I say, it's okay to be a doubting Thomas. That's okay. Put on your mm-hmm. doubting Thomas, mm-hmm. you know, scientific hat, and ask yourself, well, how do I feel now that I've done the experiment? My experience is I felt better physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, so much so. Now I find myself talking about it to other people because they're interested. So I am no longer just a student, which I always have been and always will be, but now some people call me a teacher. Absolutely. Speaking of teacher, I understand that you are also known as Ram Lev. How did? Yeah. I'm sure there's a story behind that. So can you can you share with us what that would be? Well, my my meditation teacher, Swami Rama, of the Himalayas, uh, gave me that name, and it's actually uh, two names in one. Uh, he was Swami Rama, and he gave me the name Ram. And my Hebrew name, I was raised and born and raised in the Jewish tradition. My Hebrew name is Lev. It means heart of a lion. Ram is that essential nature at the core of my being. And Lev is the heart of a lion. And and he wanted to give me that name so that I would bring those two experiences together in one. And, you know, when you add one plus one, it really equals three. <laughs> right? Something something <laughs> un- unknown map. happens. Right. Something right. unknown. Yeah, yeah, that's certainly a, a synergy that works between them and, and right. kind of creating of the, you know, the, uh, yeah, the, the, the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. So correct, yeah. correct. Wow. So that's okay. So now I have a question. Sure. Do you, um, since you were given that that uh, name, or you know, since the, you're acknowledged under that name, when you um, speak, um, when people you know talk to you and, and you know, say Ram Lave, or, or uh, do you feel a different energy? Do you feel the energy of that? Um, uh, that combination kind of comes through you versus Leonard um, Perlmutter? Not anymore. Because to me, okay. it doesn't matter what they call me. Uh, uh, <laughs> okay. Because yeah. uh, uh, increasingly, uh, I'm centered in my essential nature. So uh, if it if I am with somebody that would be put off by Ram Lave because it, it sounds foreign. Uh, I'm okay with Leonard. I'm okay with Len. I'm okay with Lenny. Well, you know, whatever. Doesn't matter. <laughs> uh-huh. And if they and if they feel motivated uh, to uh, refer to Ram Lave, that's okay. 
Words are just pointers. Right. Right. They're an attempt by one person to communicate something to another person. I don't give them. Yeah. I don't give uh, the words that kind of weight. Okay. Well, you know, and and I'm you know I'm glad to hear that because I mean there was to me I've always just found it interesting because when when I started my podcast about twelve years ago, um, yeah. I I made a conscious conscious decision to do all of the correspondence as Robert, even though up to that point in my life, you know, virtually everyone knew me as Bob. And but one thing I noticed in probably like the, the maybe ten years before I started the show was that there were certain people who I was introduced as Bob, but would always refer to me as Robert. And what I found interesting was my interactions with them tended to be um, on a more a more esoteric kind of. Discussion. I mean, it was just strange. I just thought, you know, you know, it was my like psychology training, and you know, what are the odds of this kind of happening? So, um, so anyway, when I made the decision to, you know, to do Robert, I mean, again, I'm like you, you can call me Robert, Bob, Rob, and even I've had Richard an unusually large number of times. I even had a guest uh, about a week ago who interjected Richard and Robert. You know, kind of even, you know, 50%. So anyway, but it, to me, like you, I, a name doesn't matter. But I think that also a name carries with it an energy. Like, for example, you know, there are people, who, you know, right now um, who have known me mostly as Robert, but still call me Bob. But it's the, to me, it's the, it's what makes them comfortable. So to me, that's perfect. Because then that's right. they're that's right. more apt to be able to communicate. That's right. That's right. So whatever their level of comfortability is, that's where I want to meet them. Yeah. Wow. Well, this has really been a wonderful conversation, Leonard. We're down to the last five minutes of the show, so it's, it's gone by real quick. Um, so is there any maybe um, wor final words for the listeners that you would like to, to, to share that maybe we didn't get a chance to talk about? The only thing that I would add is that if any of this makes sense to you and, and speaks to your own heart, uh, don't believe me. I don't want you to believe a word I've said because everything that I have said from your perspective must be considered hearsay. But if, you, if you're if you sort of uh, interested, then if, if you're interested, you know, get the book or just experiment what with what we discuss with tonight and uh, Experiment and and see what you experience yourself. Then you'll own the truth, rather than just be dependent on someone else to provide it to you. And our culture is very good at that. They, they uh, our culture wants us to be dependent on these experts outside of ourselves, and uh, very few of us have that kind of self-confidence and self-worth. But it's only through the experimentation facing right. outer action on inner wisdom that you come to know the truth and you know that you know it. Then you own it. Yep. 
Yep, I agree. And, you know, that, that personal experience, you know, is what I have seen time and again that have shifted people's perspective or paradigms kind of sometimes it turns the world upside down but then again the new upside down world looks kind of nice and inviting you know it depends yeah, that's right so that's um, right <laughs> you know um but but the thing is like it's you know experiment go wander um play you know um mm-hmm. they do all, all those kinds of things you know and it's only through that then they're going to really learn about themselves so Thank you again, Leonard. This has really been a treat. Well, it's been a treat for me, too. Thank you so much for the invitation. You're you're very welcome. Uh, Everyone, again, today, my very special guest has been Leonard Leonard Perlmutter, and we've been talking about his new book, Your Conscience, The Key to Unlock Limitless Wisdom and Creativity and Solve All of Life's Challenges. Again, you can find out more about the book by visiting yourconscience.org. And you can find out more about the workshops and speaking kinds of engagements um, at americanmeditation.org. So, everyone, I want to thank you for joining us for this edition of the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. And until we meet again, thank you for tuning in. You've been listening to the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Remember, our show is available as a free podcast from Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Apple Podcasts, Blog Talk Radio, Amazon Music, and Audible. To follow our show on any of those platforms, visit ByteRadio.me and select the one you use most. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at ByteRadioMe. Until we meet again... Remember to be a bright light by bringing inspiration to your world and to the lives of those you touch.